The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affects all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and we have an action-packed show today. We have a couple of different segments. We'll be starting out talking with Janine Stanley and um, some IRA news surrounding COVID. Then I have an interview with Kim Charlson with some more COVID news. And then in our second hour, we'll be talking to Katie Frederick and Richard Ruega. So I am um, wanting to let everybody know that we use the same Sunday edition um, Zoom information for all of our shows. So if you want to join us today with any questions or comments, um, today's show is posted all over the place including the Facebook community group. So anywhere you find that Sunday edition Zoom information, you can join us. I also want to let you know that um, every week, if you want to listen to the podcast version of this, you can use your A-Lady and ask your device A-Lady, play the latest episode of ACB Sunday edition with Anthony, and it will bring that up. You can also say play the previous episode a couple of times, and it'll bring you back to past episodes. So I think that's really cool. I often check to see how I sound somewhere during the week, and I pop that, uh, you know, pop that podcast going on my device, wash dishes or make food, whatever it might be. So for all of you out there listening, that's the easiest way to access the podcast, but you can always go to ACB acbmedia.org look under podcasts and after you see all the acb podcasts the first one up is sunday edition so you can find us there as well as always i am here with my engineer extraordinaire <coughs> mr byron lee how's it going byron? hey anthony i'm doing all right how about yourself I'm doing all right. I'm really excited about this week's Pride Connection, uh, which will be dropping Tuesday night on ACB Media One at 10 p.m. Podcast to follow shortly. And we're talking gender um, identity, gender fluidity, and how we express that. And we had some really, really fascinating conversation. Um, Byron, you were one of our one of our panelists. What did you think of of uh, this week's Pride Connection? Oh man, I thought it turned out so well. We had such a good conversation on. <clears throat> we pre-recorded on Friday, and um, yeah, it's going to run for the next two weeks on ACB Media. So I hope you guys will check it out and uh, uh, hear some of our stories and uh, learn a little something about uh, gender expression. <laughs> Anything, um, anything else you want to announce or do you want to tell us what's going on with Fun Zone later tonight? So I am uh, getting ready to go to New York. Um, I'll be leaving next week. So uh, this week we're going to be playing songs about, uh, about New York. Um, and uh, my computer seems to be working just fine this week. So knock on wood, you know, but everything seems to be okay. Yours is acting just fine, and mine is not acting in the predictable manner. <laughs> but we'll figure it all out in the mix. Um, I also wanted to to speak to the folks out there who have been asking about the George Floyd Floyd programming. Um, 
say his name five days for George Floyd. If you listen to Sunday edition last week, you know that we have permission to run it um, a few more times. So what we've decided is we're going to run it in the first week of February to um, commence some programming that folks are putting out there to celebrate that Black History Month. So stay tuned. We'll run it two or three times at different time, uh, different time slots so that, you know, the most amount of people can listen in and we'll do one more listening session uh, where we can all interact and, and hear each other. Haven't um, set the date for that, but you know me and announcements, they're always out there. So just uh, watch the list and I'll let you know about that. And I want to thank everybody that participated and all the the great notes that were sent based upon that programming. So Let's jump right into our first guest. She is no stranger to Sunday Edition. She is definitely no stranger to ACP, folks. Welcome back, Janine Stanley. Janine? There we go. How's that? (laughs) All righty. There we are. You could probably hear me coughing and whatnot earlier, so sorry about that. Anyway, (laughs) I am here, Anthony. Happy, happy day. And... uh, uh, we are here. I am the director of customer communications at Ira, and I have Agent Kate with me today. Yay! So we have got a live Ira agent, and we are going to talk COVID nineteen today and COVID nineteen rapid antigen home testing. Yeah, and so you know, folks who are part of the conversation or the leadership list know that I um I tried immediately when I heard about the website and. And it is pretty darn accessible. And within minutes, you receive your confirmation from the U.S. Postal Service that you are on, you know, you will be receiving your four packages, your four tests through the mail. But unfortunately, we don't know what test will be sent to whom. So it's sort of a crapshoot as to when you open that package, which of the tests you're going to get. So Ira, as far as I know at this point, put together a really great, um, for lack of a better way of putting a cheat sheet, on how to get ready to use the test, how to maximize um, IRA or any other visceral interpretation. Um, you know, maybe you're going to FaceTime with your mom or your sister because you don't, you know, you don't really want to sit um, waiting with, you know, with an agent you don't know. But we suggest and and like the idea of using IRA because the agents actually have documentation and training to help us out with this. So, Janine, uh, Kate, is it? Yes. yes. Take it away. Talk to us about it. All right. So our we right now have what we call our IRA COVID promotion. And you can find that in your IRA app. If you download the IRA app, you can get all signed in and everything. And then on the home screen, you will see if you flick down the home screen right before you get to that big old call IRA button in the middle. Right above that, there is a button that says apply a free access offer. So that's what you're going to want to tap if you're interested in the COVID promotion. You're going to go down to, we have three categories. We have promotions, products, and locations. You're going to tap on promotions. And because we love the alphabet at IRA, (laughs) the IRA COVID promotion is first on that list of offers that you can choose from. You can double tap on that and see what the offer covers, but it does cover things like taking your test. It also covers submitting your test if you need to submit it for work or for an event or for your child's school, anything like that. Because this, these instructions and this material and this offer also goes for if you have to administer the test to a child or if you are the caregiver of an adult and you need to administer this test, we can absolutely 
maybe help you with that. And Kate can give you some information on the test. But we put together a web page, too, with some information and with an accessible PDF that you can download with tips on how to take your test, things to get ready uh, to take your test. And that is at ira.io slash ira, A-I-R-A, dash COVID, C-O-V-I-D, dash promotion. So ira.io slash, uh, I'm sorry, slash ira slash, yeah, let me start that over again. You can tell I've only had one cup of coffee so far today. ira.io slash ira dash COVID dash promotion. You can also get to that from our newsroom page, ira.io slash newsroom if you don't want to type all that. Uh, but definitely um, taking a COVID test is is very, uh, I found it very, I thought, oh, this will be fine. I can do this with an agent. And it was very um, anxiety producing, actually, because um, I was only doing it with an expired demo. And I can't imagine if you're doing it, if you really think you might have COVID, that would be very anxiety producing. But Agent Kate has done this with a number of folks. And so, um, Kate, can you kind of explain to people what are some of the things that you have encountered and things to advise people before they get started with their test? Absolutely. One of the first things that's very important is for us to be able to check the expiration date on the test. A lot of these have a very short window, so we want to make sure you don't have one that is expired. Um, the second thing that would help is being prepared to take the actual test. The very first thing every one of these tests says is wash your hands and get set up on a flat surface. So wherever you're going to do it, be prepared with all of that. Have some tissues nearby because as we all have taken these silly tests, it's not fun to stick that thing up your nose. You end up getting <laughs> sneezy. So you need some tissues near you. Um, we will go through, identify all of the bits and pieces that come inside that test package. And as you mentioned, it is not consistent. These new free ones that are going out, different brands, different styles and so forth. So I've experienced quite a few of them. Um, and we can usually just visually look at it. When we look at the expiration date, most agents will also quickly open up a Google window and look up the instructions in Google because it's just quicker and easier for us to be referring to it on our screen rather than trying to have the explorer, you know, move about a piece of paper and worry about knocking over the test tube and all of that good stuff. So wash your hands, get everything set up. We'll let you know if there's a spot, usually there is, on the box itself or within a little plastic piece inside where you can put the test tube that you're going to stick that nasal swab into. And the last piece that I would say is the most important is some of these tests come with a little cassette type of uh, deal, which is the test itself. There are, there are two holes on it. One is a long rectangular shaped hole and the other one is either a circle or a square shaped hole. And it's pretty small. So some of these tests require you to put the nasal swab into the test tube, swirl it around for however many seconds. Some of them have you leave it in for a minute. And then you put a lid on that test tube. Typically it was attached to the test tube, but not always. I've had some that it's a separate lid. Oh my. And you, yes. <laughs> myself personally, it was a separate lid. And I was thinking this would be really hard. Oh. Um, and you have to drip or squeeze out drops into the smaller of the two holes. Visually, it can be very difficult for the agent to see the drops coming out. So be prepared for 
that will have you position yourself in such a way that we have enough light. We can see your test tube tip and the hole it's supposed to go into. Don't squeeze until we let you know okay to squeeze because we're trying to position it over that small, tiny little hole. Um, and it's usually three or four drops. I've had a few people say, oh, I'm just going to put a whole bunch in there. That could affect the outcome of the test. So I would recommend just getting everything, be patient with us as we get everything set up so we can make sure you're putting the correct number of drops into the cassette. Once they're in, a little, reminds me of a pregnancy test, a little <laughs> swoosh goes across the window and um, the control line will appear telling us that that test is a valid test. And then you have to wait. Um, I've had some as, as soon as 10 minutes. I've had others that I've seen that are like 20 minutes. I think that's the longest I personally have seen to wait for those test results. And we look at that cassette and let you know if there's a second line by the T. The great thing about the promotion, though, is that you can break it up. It doesn't have to be a one-shot 30-minute call. Right. Am I right, Jeanine? Absolutely. Uh, yep, definitely, as Kate noted. it. Um, it You can have as many calls as you need within that 30 minutes per day, and that's good because you can get your test done, put it in the uh, position where it basically cooks, and uh, and then call <laughs> back when the test is after the end of the time, whatever time it is for your test. And some of these tests have a very short window in which you can read it too it'll say it's going to be good for five minutes so you can call back in and we will get right to you and uh, get that read for you and they recommend if you do test positive to try again if you have another test kit to try again in an hour or so or definitely go to the um, pcr test which is the one that's administered by a medical professional that's the one that goes you know with the really long swab but let me give you a couple tips from my own personal, just um, in addition to. Uh, so first of all, um, have a little bowl or a little something with sides on it to put the little bits and pieces in. Because as Kate said, sometimes there's a tube uh, that you will put the... Um, that it will have the reagent liquid in it and uh, sometimes you're going to have to have a lid for that. Sometimes that tube is going to be on its own. There's a type of test we... It, um, jokingly called the lollipop test because it looks like a uh, matchbook and you open the book and you put the drops of liquid into a little reservoir and then you take the nasal swab once you've um, done the deed and put it up your nose you slide it into um, this little reservoir and twist it around and then close the book and when the book is closed with that long stick protruding it looks like a big lollipop and so that one is kind of the easiest one to do because you can get further away from that uh, material or that part of the test where the uh, reagent goes in. That one's a little bit easier, but still. Um, have good lighting. Be sure you have your lights. I know so many of us are <laughs> totally blind and realize as the agent says, um, could you turn the lights on? <laughs> <laughs> that we have not done that as of yet. So you want to make sure you have good lighting, not too much lighting, because some of the um, boxes for the kits are shiny, and so sometimes they'll be clear, but your agent can help you with that. <clears throat> also have something to prop your phone up on, to lay your phone on, and kind of pull it out so that that back-facing camera faces down. 
during certain parts of the test so your agent can see you know what you're what you're doing there um, you may have to move your phone around so if you have a phone stand or a neck mount or something like that that's also great um, and probably the final and ickiest kind of advice <laughs> is some of these tests come with really long sticks you do not have to put that stick all the way up your nose. I think you would give yourself a lobotomy if you did that. <laughs> but um, it is only, you know, as far as you would go with a regular Q-tip. But because the stick is so long, you might want to grip it a little bit further up on the stick without touching the swab, if that makes sense. I grip mine down at the bottom and poke myself in the eye. <laughs> so <laughs> that was not a good thing. That kind of ruined that swab. So had to start over again. But um, grip it, you know, about halfway up the stick so you have a little more control of it so you can get it where you need it to be. Um, that part of it is fairly painless. Um, it's not going way up into your nose. It's just going, you know, um, about as far up as you take a Q-tip. And same thing for if you're administering it to somebody else. So those are our big tips. As we said, we don't know exactly which ones the government will be sending people, but we have experience with all of them. And I would love, Anthony, if we can take questions from your audience to see if people have specific questions about taking these tests. Absolutely. I'm going to alert Byron that in a moment we will look and see if we have some hands, some questions. Um, I, I was wondering if you could also talk a little bit about the dashboard, the dashboard feature. Um, it works definitely well for, for COVID tests that you've gone and gotten a PCR or something, and you need to send that to um, an event or an, an airline. Well, not an airline in this country yet. Oh, not yet. <laughs> but putting, you know, putting information like that on the dashboard and being able to easily access it. I know when we had document, um, most folks listening know that Gabriel and I traveled to Honduras and I placed all my documents um, through Ira on my dashboard, just in case a piece of paper was lost or it didn't become returned when they brought us our folders back and all that. I wanted to make sure I had copies of everything. And I left it right on the dashboard because they could email it quicker than I could, um, you know, standing with luggage and dogs in an airport, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, goodness. So can you talk just a little about the dashboard feature and then we'll sure. Sure. And it's actually called uh, your IRA folder. So you have an IRA folder. And in that folder, you can put anything, anything, you know, that you need to keep and that the agents need to have quick access to. And then I'll let Kate talk about what comes up actually during a call and how that looks. But you can put the results of your test. Um, the agents can take a photo of it. They can email that to you. They can uh, send it to you in the app as well. So you can access it from the IRA app. But you can also put it in your folder and that way the you can just say go to my covid test and the agent can pull that up for you and then email it to you again if you need it and um kate how does that um end up looking let's say somebody might want to put it someplace else so it's easier for the agent to access absolutely so um the dashboard is actually what the agent is looking at it kind of gives all of the information about the explorer their location and so forth the Explorer's folder, the IRA folder, is um, usually listed in the dashboard as a quick link. So we can quickly get to the folder and navigate to wherever it is um, that your COVID test results are kept. If you so choose, you could also ask us to put a quick link on your dashboard to that so that we go right into it if you're going to be using it over and over again. Um, the 
The IRA folder is basically a, like a Google Docs type of folder, so we can save any type of information or photographs or anything you need in there and have access to it fairly quickly. From there, we can then email it to you. Um, it's not, to my knowledge, we cannot take from the IRA folder and send it directly to your phone other than through an email. But any type of a photo we take, we can absolutely send straight to your phone. And those photos are kept also quick accessible through the dashboard. So if you had us take a photo of, for instance, your vaccination card, we could quickly access it and send it to you through the app or by email. And I think a Somebody. lot of us have, yeah, a lot of us have had the vaccination cards. Uh, the photos of those taken, your agent can also crop that and trim it if they need to, um, so that it looks nice and neat. It's not blurry or anything like that. And then we've been able to use uh, put those when we need proof of vaccination, or in this case, proof of testing. Absolutely, Kate. What um, what are some interesting uses of of the IRA folder that you've come across? Um, one of the most common that I see and I think is super helpful is we have a lot of people's resumes kept in their IRA folder and their cover letter and maybe multiple cover letters if they're applying for different types of jobs. So when they call in to use our job seeker promotion, for instance, we have access to all of that right at our fingertips. And when we're browsing, you know, on Indeed or any of those job sites and they need a resume, we can quickly and easily upload that resume to their to that application without having to stop and wait for the Explorer to email it to us or for, you know, it's even simpler than sometimes TeamViewer where we go into the Explorer's computer and we're accessing things on their computer. Um, the other thing I see a, quite a bit of is people will have us save their usernames and passwords, um, even credit card information can all be securely saved in their IRA folder and have access to it fairly quickly where we can pull that up, locate their, for instance, their Amazon username and password and get into it. So it's also convenient for the Explorer not to have to remember 50 million passwords. We have a document with all of those in there for them. <laughs> yep. And the only way that somebody can get into that document is while you were on a call with the mm -hmm. agent. We can't even get to it from customer care. Um, that's the only way that anybody can get into that document. So it's very secure. Very secure. You know, I wanted to highlight one thing since we have you on the call and it's not COVID related and we're going to take questions in just a moment, Byron, so be ready. <laughs> but um, I actually found another use for IRA recently. <laughs> you know, those those phone calls that it's an automated system and no matter what you do, you can't get a person and they want you to enter your account number Um you know, really, really quickly. And you're, you know, you're 14 digits in, and then you're like, you hear the boop and you keep doing it, but you just can't get it in quick enough. I had um, an IRA agent reading to me my account number so that instead of trying to hear it and type it, hear it and type it, she was reading it to me in one ear and I was typing on another phone and it was, it saved me a lot of um, aggravation. Oh. That's that was, perfect. That was really good. <laughs> that is <laughs> it was perfect. In my five minutes, so I didn't even spend yeah. any of my actual IRA minutes, so I was doubly happy. <laughs> awesome. 
I, I've actually done that as well. I'm on the landline phone trying to input a number or some information, and I've got the IRA agent looking at it either on my computer or from my folder or somewhere. And yeah, that is a great way to do that because, boy, those things are unforgiving. And I inevitably 14 digits in type the wrong digit in there, and there is no mm-hmm. backspace on your landline phone, just saying. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Byron, um, do we have any hands? We do. Um, So let's hear from Rachel. Rachel, go ahead and unmute and ask your question. Hey, Rachel. And finding that unmute button sometimes. Hey, hello there. One time no talk. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you the NFB convention the last time I talked to you, Janine? Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll be there again this year. We'll also be at ACB. So we're going to be there live this year for both of them. How exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, good yes. to hear your lovely, sweet voice. <laughs> so have you had to take one of these tests yet, Rachel? I have never had them. Never, ever. I'm the type of of person that is full of anxiety and would probably blubber the the whole time. (laughs) Well, the nice part is that, and I'm sure Kate can speak to this too, um, it's a lot easier when you've got somebody who stays calm like our agents and just Mm kind of says, okay, take a deep breath. It's okay. (laughs) We're going to do this step by step. Yes, Mm -hmm. it does make a big difference. What's your question or comment, Rachel? Um, I'm curious, like, is, is the test um, hard? Like, could you, could you do it, like, one step at a time and do calm breathing as you do it? Oh, there's a great question for Kate. Absolutely. And just so you know, I just had somebody the other day that tested positive, and I was looking up her results, and it took, it took her a minute and some deep breathing and, you know, calm voice. Just, it's going to be okay. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely, nothing is rushed. You do it one step at a time. It's fairly straightforward. Um, as Janine said, you know, just make sure you've got a good handle on that swab and you don't poke yourself in the eye, but (laughs) it's very, very, very simple and straightforward and very much lends itself to calm breathing in between each step. And the agents can help you if you're not sure. You can stop and say, okay, I'm going to lift up my phone with this hand. Tell me if I've got this in the right position. Um, And we can absolutely, we've helped a lot of people. And our PDF is really good to read too before you get started because it kind of walks you through, okay, here are all the things that you're going to need. Here are, you know, uh, and then your agent takes over and then you can go from there. And so hopefully that will help you if you ever need to take one of these. And you do this with the free trial, the IRA free free trial? You can actually do it with our COVID promotion. Now, our free trial, our guest account, that's going to give you five minutes per day. This is going to take a lot longer than that. So we give you 30 minutes per day free, and that's for anybody. You don't have to have a paid account. You can be a guest. You can even be a one-time IRA user and just say, okay, I just need help with this. This is it. It's what I need help with. And you can get to that through the Apply a Free Access Offer button. And you'll see it. It's the first thing under Promotions in that category. And you can go right in there. Or you can just call us and say, look, I need to take a COVID test. And the agent can activate that promo for you. Gotcha. Yep. Awesome. Thank Thank you. You are welcome. Good luck to you. 
Good to see you all. Good to see you, Anthony and Byron. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Byron, who's up next? (laughs) All right. So uh, I don't see anybody else, but I do have a question. Um, Yeah. What about touching the tests in certain areas and being really careful not to touch the the controls, you know, the strip or the reservoir? Um, Reminds me of the old game Operation, right? Right. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah, so Kate, I'm going to give this one to you because I found this really kind of hard and it was really good to look at all of the material ahead of time so that I didn't touch parts that weren't, you know, um, that I couldn't touch during the actual test. Absolutely. So my experience is that with the swab, it's of course enclosed in some plastic and typically the end that you peel apart to open it is the stick end, not the swab end. So that's good news. Um, Another tip though would always be through the plastic, feel it. You can feel which part has the actual cottony swab end on it and make sure you open the other end. As far as the test kit goes, um, the cassette, um, the little matchbox, I mean, there's quite a few different ones. As far as that goes, Again, it's pretty simple to open it, but the cassette is probably the easiest because you can absolutely just touch it on its sides. And there's enough plastic on it usually that you're not going to stick your finger in the hole. Um, and even if you did pass your finger over it, it's probably not going to, to cause any harm. I would, th- I would think that you would have to actually stick your finger in it for a long time to make any difference. <laughs> um, some of them come with a, instead of a cassette, I would call it a test strip kind of like uh, like you would use for urine testing, that type of a test strip. And again, when it comes with that style, the end that you open is the end that you can hold. So they've tried to make it as straightforward as possible. You open the end that is able to be touched, not the end that you shouldn't touch. Because mm-hmm. I think they know that uh, a lot more people than just blind and low vision folks mm-hmm. have difficulty with these tests and they want to make them as easy as possible. And at, you know, approximately $25 a piece, if you end up having to buy them, it's a, it's a bit of a stretch to, to try to get those and get them, you know, get a get another one to try if you mess one up. And honestly, folks, most people will ruin one test. The first time they do it, they will ruin the first one. I certainly did. Um, a lot of folks do. So it's some of the test kits actually contain two tests. Um, the matchbox type ones, the lollipop ones that I described, they only had one. However, most of them will have two tests inside because they know that you're going to mess up the first one. It's highly possible. But after that, once you get the feel for it, um, they are actually not too difficult. And having your agent describe everything ahead of time, all of my technology is talking right now. There we go. Um, (laughs) It's like the great um, robot uprising here. Anyway, um, but once you have that agent explain everything and what it looks like and where you can touch it and where you can't, that takes away a lot of that um, anxiety. All right, we're going to do one more hand check. Byron, do we have anybody with a question or comment for Janine and Kate? Yeah, we got a bunch now. Um, Ooh, all right. Let's see. I'm going to go with uh, Jane. Jane, go ahead and unmute and ask your question. Hello, Jane. Hey, can you hear me? We yes. sure can. Great. First of all, a com- commendation to you both. Um, I, as a mother and a grandmother, wish you'd been around when people I know... We're taking pregnancy tests. You would have been a comfort <laughs> and a serious informer 
whose judgment would have been valued. So thank you. Um, I am most concerned, and maybe you commented about the people who test, um, uh, who are asymptomatic, but they're carrying the little nasty things. Uh, yes. Do you have any just comments about that? We all are as safe as we can be, but um, mm-hmm. that always makes me think of typhoid Mary, and I, I <laughs> your comments. Absolutely. Well, from all that I have read, and I'll let Kate chime in here in a minute, from all that I have read, if you test positive, regardless of whether you are experiencing symptoms or not, you will want to go and try to get a PCR test, which is the more comprehensive test. Now, this is difficult for a lot of us who don't have drivers in the family or ways to get to testing facilities. So that that poses a whole other accessibility issue. Um, But if you are not able to get to a testing facility to get a PCR test, you will want to quarantine yourself regardless of whether you're showing symptoms or not. That's what I have read about testing positive and what it does say, I believe, in many of the test kits. But Kate, you had somebody who recently had this. So um, what's been your experience with it? Absolutely. I'll give you my personal experience. Um, My daughter, who's in college, was set to go back up to college, fly home. And we tested her the day before she was going to fly because we'd all had a cold, we'd all tested negative, but her cough was hanging on. And I thought, you know, I don't really wanna put her on a plane if she's got COVID. And she was fine. I mean, no real symptoms other than just this lingering cough from what we thought was a cold. And she tested positive. So, and it was a very faint line, by the way. And the test kit said, faint line counts, it's positive. So we went, darn it. And I thought, okay, my test kit has two tests. I'm going to take one. So I took it and mine was absolutely negative. And I went, oh, great. So we ran over in our area. There's quite a few pop-up independent testing sites. And for 20 bucks, we got a rapid test and a PCR test. Excellent. The piece, the rapid test, which came back in 20 minutes, said negative. So now we're really stumped. I'm like, the kid has to get on a plane tomorrow. What do I do? We decided to rebook her flight. And thank goodness we did because the next day when we got the PCR test, it was positive. So I was very glad to have kept her home so she didn't, you know, expose anybody and kept her home. The CDC guidelines say we had to quarantine for five days. So all of us just stayed in the house, quarantined for that five days tested her again she was fine stuck her on a plane she's back up at college excellent nice. yeah you know um, thank god knocking yeah. on, on wood it turned out that way um byron we're gonna do i we're gonna move a little swiftly um today's a great pack show uh so let's do two more hands byron who is next all right thank you jane uh coming up next we have lucy lucy go ahead and unmute all right Hi, Anthony, Byron, Janine, Kate. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I when you get your free tests and, you know, let's say you have them around for a minute. (laughs) Do you know how long the actual period is that they can be used? 
Good. That is a great question, and no, we do not, which oh. goes back to Kate's original advice of check those expiration dates, because at this time, we do not know which tests we everyone will get. We also don't know what the expiration dates or what the replacement policy on those tests will yeah. be. Uh-huh. And so, you know, a lot of us said, okay, we're going to order them, hopefully not needing them, but how long are they going to be good for? I don't know. Um, one of the things that we do in my neighborhood is we have have sort of this COVID test pool of uh, if someone needs a test and we're not going to use it right away, we will, you know, give them that test if they need it. So that's one way to, you know, be able to make those tests available to folks who need them if you know you're not going to need them for a bit and you see that it's got a fairly short expiration time. Do you know that if would it help to some more? Re- mm-hmm. Sorry. No, that's okay. Information on that coming up with my interview with Kim in a few minutes. Um, there are four tests that the government has bought so far, but we don't know what the expiration dates are until those first couple of packages yeah. are received. Um, all right, we're going to go to the next hand, if you don't mind. Um, Janine, is there any way you could come back around three and, and answer more questions if we have any? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, I would awesome. be happy to do that. I will put that on my agenda. I'm not sure if Kate will be available, but um, I will definitely come back around three. All right. So we'll take one more hand now. And if you have questions, Mm -hmm. stick around when we go off air at three, we'll take some more questions. So Byron, who's next? All right, Lisa, go ahead and unmute and ask your question. Um, Michigan minds think alike, Lucy. That was my question. So you guys can move on. All right. right. We've got one more, Anthony, if you don't mind, and then we're out of hands. All right. Go ahead. All right. So Christine, go ahead and ask your question. Hello, Christine. Hello. My question, the government, the White House did say that there are nine tests out there that are being sent. Ah, Um, nine. Okay, wow. (laughs) So um, I was wondering if um, in their infinite wisdom, they would give Ira the list of nine so everybody would have them. So they would then know, um, because there are several that they aren't Oh, that is a good question, and I definitely wish they would. We are working with both ACB and NFB and in other countries, um, advocacy groups in those countries, for example, Ireland and the UK, and uh, also Blind Citizens Australia, all of the areas that we serve, Canada, to find out, to try to find out what those tests are going to be, which ones. Um, The good news is, I think, right, Kate, our agents have had experience with just about all of the test kits out there, and there are some pretty strange ones too <laughs> you know, there are there are home pcr tests but they're really really expensive yes because they are paying, and you're paying oh, for the the fedex um delivery yeah, absolutely and absolutely and, and i would not at this point now this is just me i would not feel comfortable taking one of those i would rather go to a facility and have them do it and then be able to process it so yeah we we don't have experience with the home pcr tests that i know of maybe but i would not feel comfortable saying we have experience with that i think we'd rather you go to a professional and get that done well i think the home pcrs are usually spit in the tube ones yeah, yeah. And those are from the beginning of COVID. I remember uh, one of our staff had to do that. And he said it was extremely difficult. They're also supervised. You're going to get on a Zoom with someone who actually watches you take that test. And it's quite a, quite an experience. So I would highly recommend going somewhere to have that done. Yeah. So Janine, real quick, can you tell folks <laughs> how to access that PDF again? 
absolutely. You can go to the website ira.io slash ira-covid-promotion, and uh, you will probably put that in the show notes for the podcast, but you can also reach it from our newsroom. If you don't recall that address, you can get there from ira.io slash newsroom, or click on the newsroom link at ira.io. You can also call our customer care team. They are here from uh, let's see, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States. And that number is 800-835-1934. I had to sit here and pretend to type it. And, uh, or support at ira.io. If all of this just leaves your mind and you need some tips or uh, have some questions, you can get a hold of us that way. All right. Well, thank you, Kate, so much. Thank you, Janine. Um, you'll pop back at three to see if we have any extra questions. Sure will. As always, we love when we have you here, and I'm sure you'll be back in a few months. Oh, with I, you know what? I will be back in a few weeks because we get a big February promotion for everybody who likes puppies and football. All Andy. right. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so I am going to roll my interview with Kim Charlson, and um, we'll be back in a little while live. Here it is. So we're here now with Kim Chawson, immediate past president of the American Council of the Blind. And if I spent the next 15 minutes listing all the things that she does, I would waste valuable time that we can be speaking about advocacy. So, Kim, as you heard, thankfully, 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 the service IRA is going to be um, extending their promotion and giving us 30 minutes a day COVID-related um, tasks without taking away from our purchase minutes, or if you're a, um, a free explorer, you'll be able to use those five minutes for regular tasks or 30 minutes for COVID. Um, I wanted to talk with you a little bit because I know that some members have been asking, why don't we make one of our imperatives this year for leadership? And I know the answer to this, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to explain to the membership um, the way the, the best use of our advocacy efforts surrounding accessible testing. Absolutely, Anthony, and thanks for the opportunity to be part of your show. I'm also <laughs> delighted that Ira is is making time available to help um, people who are blind and visually impaired who use the Ira service um, help them with their results and their home testing process. So um, I think that's great. And, and just as a reminder, um, also the, the service Be My Eyes um, has a professional link on their site where you can communicate with representatives from the um, Accessible Pharmacy Services for the Blind program. And they have that's trained right. professionals that are also assisting people in walking through um, the COVID test and they're trained in reading the results as well. So it's another option for people to use in the immediate time frame because that's what we have at this point. So, so sure, I'll just dive in and, and talk a little bit about, you know, what the current state of affairs is right now with respect to um, the rapid antigen home tests um, that are on the market and that are in incredibly high demand right now. Um, especially, I'm sure people have heard that um, the government is making 
tests available and we'll ship them. So through the website covidtests.gov, C-O-V-I-D-T-E-S-T-S dot gov, um, you can sign up and get um, four free home tests. I don't know what manufacturer. There are nine manufacturers of COVID home tests on the market right now. Um, there's a limit of four tests per um, address. So, um, you know, you, one person in a household of two would need to place the order and they would receive four tests. And those are going to be shipped out late, later um, toward the end of January. And I do know that there is a plan to have a phone number as well as the web address. The phone number is not anticipated to go live until maybe around the 24th or 25th of January, but they do have a plan to implement that. And as soon as I know, to, um, Anthony, I will absolutely let you know and we'll let members know so that they can use the phone option as well. Awesome. Thank you. You know, I heard on Rachel Maddow Wednesday night that this is the initial offering of the website. Um, they do recognize that families have multiple children, that there are, you know, grandparents living in, in homes, and that four tests is not sufficient for the length of a pandemic. But this is the rollout, and sometime in February, the website will have an upgrade where you're able to order another round and you're able to order testing for other individuals in the household. Exactly. But as of right now, this is the rollout of what, they, what they're starting with because they ordered, they, were, they had promised the American people that they were ordering 500 million. They actually ordered in total a billion tests, but to send out a billion tests in one week is an impossible task. That's so this is the first like stage of the rollout. <laughs> exactly. It sounds like a rather insurmountable task. I would, I would yeah. definitely agree. <laughs> The, um, the, there's also just, if you live in a, a multi-unit dwelling, like an apartment building or a condo complex, you need to be very sure that you include the unit number or the apartment number, because yeah. otherwise your, um, your signup could be interpreted as someone else has already signed up from this address. So you need to make sure that you've got that distinction of your unit number or apartment number to make your address different from someone else's so that they can get it to you and the website won't reject your, um, your entry. And I did go on the website and signed yeah. up. It was incredibly accessible, very, very straightforward. No um, accessibility glitches at all that I could determine. So. Um, it took me less than two minutes, and um, by the time I got back to my email, the first the confirmation email was in there. So, did, was was that the same experience for you? Exactly from the from the U.S. Postal Service, the the confirmation comes through their yes. system, so they've got it linked up really well. And um, and again, I I can't say anything except positive for the accessibility of the website, which is really nice to say. You know, once once that that it was launched and it worked well, so that was a good thing. So, Kim, let's let's switch focus um, for a few minutes. Um, I'm going to start by asking you: Have you heard of any 
um, research or developments on making the tests themselves specifically accessible? And can you tell our members why at this current time, trying to put forth an imperative for leadership week surrounding accessible COVID tests isn't the best use of our time this year? Sure. So let's start by talking a little bit more about the um, the COVID rapid antigen tests themselves or the home-based um, tests. I mentioned that there's nine different tests on the market right now from multiple manufacturers. So, um, and I'm sure some of you have had experiences doing COVID tests by this time in the pandemic. Um, there, there are various types. Most of them involve a swab and placing, you know, doing this swab of your nose, putting this swab into some kind of a container um, for transmission. You know, the, in the there's mail-in tests, there's, um, but the rapid COVID tests, the process is kind of like, like um, I guess the coast, closest equivalent would be almost like testing your blood sugar with a test strip. There, you know, a, a COVID test basically is a science experiment. It's you do you do A and you do B, and then C is the result of what you just did. So in the case of a COVID test, it's taking the swab, perhaps inserting it into a, a vial that has some liquid in it, waiting for the color to change. And that gives you the result if it changes to you know, chartreuse, it means one thing. If it changes to purple, it means something else. And it's, it's really a science experiment. That's what it is. Um, but given that science experiment, there is no accessibility for someone who's blind or visually impaired, except through some sort of visual identification, i.e. IRA right now, or be my eyes or a sighted assistant to help you. So the um, out of the nine tests, um, there is <laughs> there is one test on the market. Um, it's the Q Health test, Q Health. But I don't think all of you are going to be running out to grab one because it costs four hundred and fifty dollars a test. So my. So that is, you know, they did not design that test to be an accessible test. It just so happens that it, it, it is more or less accessible. Um, as you can imagine, I haven't run out to get one um, <laughs> price. So, um, yeah. but what I, what I am pleased to talk about with respect to the testing and the whole issue of home tests is that ACB and NFB are working collaboratively on this issue. NFB has, um, has started, you know, they've purchased all of the tests and they're assessing them and, and crafting directions for all of the tests and how they, how they work, basically instructions to help someone get through the process a little easier. It still doesn't resolve the visual identification of the results, but even being able to be more in control of what you're doing yourself is, is a positive step. 
So, so we are, we are working with NFB um, in both, you know, on, on this issue and on developing a, a strategic process and a, a kind of a timeline for when, when we feel um, and who we feel are the most appropriate um, leaders to reach out to. So um, NFB has sent um, communication to the White House, to the Biden administration on the issue of, of testing, of um, now kind of with a messaging that now is the perfect time. You know, it's, it's probably past time, but as far as being a little more positive and not beating them over the head with a sledgehammer, but to say that um, now is a really good time to be reaching, to be thinking about how do we make these tests accessible, not just for Americans, but these tests are used all over the globe. So um, let's take advantage of this. Let's urge private industry to start innovating and thinking about, okay, how could we do this? Not, we can't do this. You know, the, the process right now has been get as many tests out there, manufacture them, get them to every nation you can get them to. So that's been the focus of all these, these companies and, and still is. But one of the asks in the communication to the administration initially was who is responsible for this program? And because, you know, we weren't even sure exactly what agency to point toward as far as beyond the White House saying who's going to be responsible for implementing the, the home test program and who can discuss the accessibility. So it was finally made clear that that agency is the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration. And so the FDA and the White House basically are leading the, the charge on this. Um, I think there's a lot of advocacy to do. Um, next steps, ACB is in the process of sending um, communication to the Biden administration and to the FDA also to reinforce the initial messaging from NFB and to stress how important this issue is to people who are blind or have low vision and that now is really the time to, to innovate and think about solving this issue. You know, this isn't really a new issue for um, consumer organizations. We've been advocating for literally decades around the area of um, diabetes health and management with test strips and the accessibility of, of equipment or devices or testing. So, but this is obviously in response to a huge national and global crisis. And so it, it does seem like there should be some initiative given the, um, the sheer amount of money being poured into these private companies that are the manufacturers of the test kits themselves. So, yeah. so having said that, I think that it's, it's clear to me that as an imperative, you know, advocating for accessible test kits isn't something that would, we would take to Congress at this time. There's no legislation to point to. There's 
in, as far as I know, there's not regulations we can point to to say, oh, they're not being enforced. It's, it is, is definitely new territory in the advocacy area because it's private industry. And the, the amount of influence and, and or pressure that we can put on private industry is limited. So, you know, if there's not a mandate for them to do something, they generally will not do it. But we have to make them see that this is the right thing to do, the right time to do it. So ACB and NFB are working on some, um, some language as far as an advocacy strategy and how we would like our members of both organizations to, um, to communicate their wish for accessible home tests to the administration and to the FDA. And we hope to have that coming, I, I would expect sometime toward the, the, the end of January, which is next week, I'd say within the next week or so. Um, and we hope that people will respond and send you know, messages to, to these agencies following kind of the social, um, social media language that we're putting together. So, you know, it's, we're, not, we're not wanting to hit them over the head with a hammer at this point. We want to make them aware of how important this is, how people who are blind are being impacted, and that it's really critical to think about how to make these tests work rather than telling a whole population of people, well, we're sorry, it doesn't work for you, but I'm sure you can get someone cited to help you. You know, healthcare, healthcare issues are private. We shouldn't have to get somebody to help us. And, you know, the fact that, that all of the solutions right now involve reaching out to somebody else, I mean, it's, it's good that we have those options and that we have trained services as in IRA and um, accessible pharmacy services for the blind, where there are trained professionals that can help. But it's not the same thing as being able to do this yourself. You know, in a a conversation that I had offline with someone, you know, we were kind of going back and forth on this topic. And I, I think I swayed the conversation, not patting myself on the back, but I think I swayed the conversation you know, at the point I, I had said, well, you know, we're in a pandemic. Yes, excel- accessibility should be thought of from the ground up. But in the world we live in today, hopefully we'll change that someday. But in the world we live in today, it's still not happening that way. And we don't even have accessible pregnancy, home pregnancy tests. If we had that to point at and say, hey, they're doing it here, then we should be able to do it, you know, quickly here with COVID. But we don't have that yet either. So, you know, I hate to keep telling our our community, be patient. This time, I'd like to say be patient, but use your frustration when these when this guidance comes out from NFB and AFB in, in tandem, then flood your social medias. Take the template, you know, send it to, send something to the FDA, send something to the administration. But in this case, it actually is a little bit valid to say, be patient. This is the beginning of the rollout. They are promising us that it will get better and better as it goes along. And by my experience alone, two minutes and I have the confirmation email in my email box, I think they're starting out pretty good. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. We are in a pandemic and hopefully three or four months from now, we'll be saying, 
cool, we can now go back and order our accessible tests. I think three months is probably, you know, pie in the sky Santa Claus, but let's be patient and give them the opportunity to start and add our voices in, like you said, without, instead of hitting them over the hammer, you didn't do this. We would really like you to explore doing this because this is what we need. Right, exactly. And, and we're here to help. Um, we're here to be a part of the process, to test ideas, to, to dialogue, all those, all those various options, because I think if, if we can do it in, in partnership and collaboration rather than as an attack on the administration, you know, it, it is a pandemic. And, and I want accessibility, you know, more than anybody else, I think. And, and, but yet I realize where we are right now as a nation and as a, as a global community, and it's not the highest priority. And, and I can't argue that. When people are dying, I can't say accessibility is, it trumps that. People's yeah. health has to be the priority first. And then we can use the situation and we can use where we are in the process to hopefully innovate and come up with some accessibility options that are going to work better than, than what we have right now, which is really none at all. And it's interesting that you mentioned the, the accessibility of pregnancy tests because the, the test is very similar in concept to the rapid antigen COVID tests. And, um, you know, the really the first successful efforts around an accessible um, pregnancy test were done by um, the Royal National Institute for Blind People in England. And they partnered with a pharmaceutical company and came up with a, a it's, it's not the kit you would buy at your CVS or Walgreens. It's a specialized kit that's been put together with directions and instructions. And I believe what I heard was it was around um, 20 to 25 pounds um, as far as the, the cost. So the cost of it is significantly higher than the cost of a pregnancy test off the shelf from the pharmacy. But it exists and it's got directions and it is accessible my understanding and you know that is a first step that it can be done and yeah. you know so I, I i feel positive that it can be done we're not talking about a a theoretical precept here i think we're talking about something that needs a little attention from the pharmaceutical companies the manufacturers of the tests to think about how it can be done and to collaborate and work with us, work with the administration, the FDA, and, and brilliant minds out there, scientists and chemists who really, I think, are the people who have the Absolutely. Kim, I want to thank you so much for, for bringing this information to us. And, and my pledge, of course, as always, as, as soon as this information is available, um, you know, I'll bring it to Sunday edition. It, you know, I know I won't even have to post it to all the list because you'll already have it out there. Um, <laughs> But I, I pledge to do my part. Um, you know, I, I'm a, become a very proficient email um, advocator. So I'm imploring all of the listeners out there, as soon as we have the information, we'll bring it to you. If you don't mind, I want to take one quick, one more quick, um, you know, off ramp on the conversation. I wanted to just um, take a moment to congratulate the ADP for the audio description gala and, and all the work that is done, the money that has been raised, the visibility on Peacock. 
So any any thoughts you want to share with our listeners on that before before we segue to the next uh, conversation? Well, Anthony, I never have to be asked twice to talk about audio description. That's for sure. It's a passion of mine. And the the audio description gala back in November was a phenomenal event. Um, I just couldn't be more proud of ACB and the profile for the audio description project, the awareness that the event garnered from, from the entertainment industry. Um, we had, you know, I think nearly 200 different um, occurrences of being carried on um, social media for different entertainment companies um, on their Facebook pages. Just, it was incredible. And that's the kind of awareness that we need to grow to really start getting the entertainment industry to think audio description. That's that's like captioning for the blind, right? That's the new buzz phrase that they tend to use is audio description is captioning for the blind. So if, if that works for them, it can work for me. But what I want to do is highlight and spotlight what audio description is and that it needs to be a part of what they're doing. And we've already started planning for the 2022 audio description gala. We haven't set the date yet, but we're, we're just getting started, mapping it out, having to deal with the questions like, is it going to be virtual or live? And probably within the next um, several weeks, we'll, find, we'll make that final decision and we'll identify and set a date. So we'll make sure that um, your listeners are aware of the Save the Date so they can participate in the, um, the second annual audio description gala. Awesome. Anything else you want to shout out or highlight before we um, transition out? I think that's it for now, but thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your show and share information. It's, um, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for always being at the ready to, you know, to share this information with, with our larger community. And um, hopefully we'll be speaking with you soon. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you so much, Kim. Thanks, Anthony. All right. So that was Kim Charlson. And um, I know that she and Brian are out doing something really fantastic together. So when you listen to the podcast, I hope you had a great Sunday. We're going to keep rocking and rolling right into the next conversation. And I am really pleased to be able to welcome Katie Frederick back to Sunday Edition and a new friend who I am getting to know, Richard Rega. So welcome to Sunday Edition. Hi, good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon. Katie, are you there? I am here. Hello. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So before we get to know you and, and Richard, um, do you, you have any comments on the COVID portion of Sunday edition today? Um, well, I thought it was it was really good information. Um, it's always great to hear, you know, always good to have Ira in our toolbox. Um, and it's it's always it's you know good to hear that we are working to educate society that we need more accessibility around these tests and other products. So I, I think it was a, a great segment. Yeah. And true to her word, um, if you look at, at the conversation or the leadership list, that phone number is out. Um, I have not called it, so I cannot give an, a, an impression on actually calling for COVID tests, but the phone number's out. So you can find it and we will place it in the show notes from today. So I want to I want to play fun with you guys for a minute. And I'd like Richard, for you to introduce Katie in your own words and Katie then introduce Richard and tell us a little bit about each other. Oh, fun. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, spin the wheel. Let's do this. All right. Well, thank you, Anthony, for inviting both Katie and I to um, Sunday edition, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of this. And I, I have known Katie. So Katie and I are, are both active in ACB, and um, I consider it a very awesome organization. Um, I have been a part of ACB and California Council of the Blind since 1998, and I have Catherine Skivers to thank for that. Uh, found this lost college kid and says, hey, come and join us. And so I have her to thank. Um, I believe I met Katie uh, at one of the ACB functions maybe about 10 or 12 years ago. Katie might have a better memory than I. Uh, and we've just been, we've remained in touch, have been good friends, have been colleagues, and have uh, just done a lot through ACB. And um, it's exciting over the past uh, year and a half for me when I joined APH and the Connect Center and doing all the cool things that we're doing that uh, Katie came on board and being the professional that she is, is bringing a lot to the uh, APH landscape with her role in Vision Aware, whereas I'm working in Career Connect and she's been on board since October. I have been on board um, for about the same time as an employee, but for a little over a year as a contractor. But I think um, she's, she's a wonderful addition to our growing young team. And I'll leave it there. I'll, I'll, I'll give the rest to Katie. All right. Well, um, thank you, um, Anthony, for giving us this opportunity to, to come on your show. And um, yes, as Richard said, um, he and I met, um, gosh, probably at least 12 years ago, I think at, a, at what was then the ACB Legislative Seminar. Um, in, in DC. And so we um, just have, you know, shared um, our friends outside of work and now have the opportunity to work together. And it's really, it's really been good. You know, I've, I've seen Richard work. Um, he's done a lot of work with transition age students, and that's really an area where he shines. And I've just seen him, you know, really be, um, such a role model and such an asset for those students who are just beginning their careers and maybe in high school and going off to college. And, um, you know, Richard's been a, a great support for those students. And um, I know he's had a great community backing him up as well in his various roles. But um, yes, yeah, so now we get to work together at the American Printing House for the Blind at the APH Connect Center, where we get to, um, you know, Richard again gets to focus on his um, kind of what I would say favorite area in that in those in those um, the career space and you know working with students and adults and job seekers and um, you know really making that shine and um, he's he's just doing a great job great to work with um, a great friend and an awesome colleague. Oh, thank you, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get into some of the specific programming in a couple of minutes, but um, first I want to have just a little bit more fun. Um, can you give our listeners something about each other that we might not know um, if we weren't personal friends, something fun or interesting? I mean, you know, if you happen to know that um, Katie loves, let's say, good and plenty and, you know, that's, uh, you know, the way to her heart, let us know or something in that vein. Richard, you first. Oh, geez. All right. Um, oh, God, where do I start? I know Katie to be an avid uh, book reader. She loves books. She loves uh, yes. books and, and more books. And um, I think we both have a, a quite a, a passion for coffee. We both love coffee. 
um or what am i missing uh she's a guide dog user so she, she has a love for animals like like i do um and i think just you know i think we're both in really good roles because we're, we're we like it's hard to call this a job because we, we like to connect people with resources and information and I, I can't see myself in a better job or katie in a better job and i really and i really honestly mean that all right katie something fun about richard um richard loves to travel go on adventures he also might love um a drink a shot of bourbon after 5 p.m let's say um a lot of us do (laughs) (laughs) right i'm uh counting myself in that category for um, for enjoyment but he um he likes to read loves to walk um be out and about with his um with his guide dogs and um yeah, again, just just a really great person to, you know, to get to know. So so give us an overview. I mean, most of us listening, I think, have at least a cursory knowledge of APH. But, um, you know, give us the, you know, the two minute kind of jingle version of, you know, where APH came from and, and you know, what, uh, you know, the 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 focus or mission statement of the organization is. Um, Richard, do you want me to take this one? Or? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Katie, go ahead. <laughs> sure. Okay, so we're very informal, so we didn't uh, really plan yeah, out yeah. who's taking what. So um, so really, APH is, you know, it's it's known for its educational products and services. But um, about four years ago, the APH um, acquired what is now known as the Connect Center, which encompasses the three programs that Richard and I are part of, and those are the Career Connect, Vision Aware, and Family Connect, and we'll get into those a little bit later as to what they are and kind of who they serve, but but really, they've, they've been around for a long time. They were part of the American Foundation for the Blind, and then again, APH acquired them about four years ago and really brought them over to the um, main organization of APH. Um, I'm sure that many listening you know, know of APH for its various educational products and services, um, but now you know, we're really trying to be the organization that people go to for, you know, kind of that one-stop shop for, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're using some educational products while you're in school and then, you know, but, but um, after school or or during those transition years, again, you're going to be looking for a job or your student is looking for a job or your, you know, your child is looking for work. And so, you know, check out the career center and things like that. So we really, um, we want, you know, the Connect Center is is a big part of APH, and we want to help, you know, each other grow and support each other throughout our work efforts. And so that's that's what we are um, trying to do these days. Well, I think that's a, a great overall um, view slash explanation. Let's go backwards. Um, let's talk about Family Connect first and some of the benefits and, and how folks can really take advantage of, of the material and, and the connections that you have there. Uh, I can t- take this one, Katie. Uh, Family Connect is, is one of the, the main resources off of the Connect Center. And what we're doing through Family Connect is really emerging to be that, that resource and voice for families moms and dads and guardians of blind kids and being a real tangible functional resource. A lot of what the Connect Center and Family Connect has been doing since the start of the pandemic and arguably before is really utilizing our online presence, our multimedia presence through Zoom webinars, much like what you do in the ACB community. 
and we host uh, often once or twice a month webinars that focus on the family. Uh, in February, we're doing you know, the IEP. What does the IEP mean? How do you get involved in the IEP? Uh, we partnering. We, you know, a lot of what we do with Family Connect and other agencies is partner. We're partnering with the Chicago Lighthouse to do Parent Connect, and that's a forum to bring parents together to kind of share uh, successes and challenges and talk about what's important and hey, how do you do this? And and we have um, you know experts, uh, peers, psychologists. But mostly that form is for parents. So it's, it's one of several tools that you'll find up on Family Connect. Uh, another feature of, of all our sites, including Family Connect, is our blogs. So we have peer blogs, blogs from moms and dads, blogs from teachers of the visually impaired, talking about different experiences, tools, and resources that you can keep your kids involved in, from getting ready for summer camp to how do you make Valentine's Day cards accessible, uh, you know, that's coming up in a month. And try to highlight every season um, on, on Family Connect. And another thing we're trying to do, we're experimenting with the tool because we do have a lot of people uh, who visit the site from outside of the United States. And we're trying to make our site uh, Spanish friendly so you can go in there and search articles and have it translated. Um, and then another cool thing, and Katie can maybe speak to this, is where um, these websites, they're great. It's good information. It's a lot of this stuff has kind of carried over from from the AFB days, and we're trying to kind of go through the content and pull out what's relevant. So in, in short order, we'll, you'll see a new Family Connect where it's going to be very modern and very hip and very easy to use. Katie, do you have anything to add to that? Um, no, I think you've covered it well. I just I do want to add that, you know, Richard mentioned our Parent Connect group and um, you can find um, information about that on the familyconnect.org website. And that is um, that is a, a call that occurs the first Wednesday of every month at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And again, that's open to, to parents who have um, children who are blind or experiencing vision loss. So um, just, you know, feel free to share the to share the word and share information about that. Um, it's it's a consistent way that we really try to, you know, really want to make that it's a safe space. The calls are not recorded in any way because we want, you know, parents to just connect and share. And if they need to vent or anything like that, you know, it's, it's just a safe space where we want to help, um, help people. Because I know, you know, for me as someone who's been blind all my life and, you know, my parents still say today that, you know, without that support, you know, it's just, you're not alone, right? There's a, there is a whole community out there that are willing to help, help you and back you up and, and support you. So um, if you, if you are a parent um, or no parents of blind children, um, feel free to share the information about our a parent connect group and, and direct people to the, the familyconnect.org um, website. There, there is a wealth of information there. So I have to admit, you know, it's been a very busy time period in doing my research for, for today's show. I, I focused more on Vision Aware and, and the Career Connect. Um, are there resources on Family Connect for folks who are considering becoming parents and, um, you know, some, some maybe um, anecdotal experiences and things that, you know, want to be parents or are about to be parents can, can go and find? I don't well, think we have. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Katie. That per se, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think we're really targeting, we do have information about, you know, what happens if, you know, my child was just diagnosed as blind, what's, you know, what happens next, things like that for, for parents. Um, 
but I'm not specifically aware of, of articles for want to be parents. Are you, do you know more about that? Um, We need to go back and look and Anthony, we can get that answer for you in short order and and, and you can put it in your show notes. But uh, I know that um, Katie and I have been helping out with Family Connect coverage and we're contracting and going to bring someone on board in short order to kind of help us fill in some of those gaps. But we, Mm -hmm. we do have content writers who help write a lot of those toolkits and articles. So if it's not up there, uh, the other thing to know is we have a, and, and maybe you were going to get there, but we have a, a, a information and referral line that you could call, and that kind of addresses all our sites, whether yes. it's Aware, Family Connect, or Career Connect. And, and um, Alan and Sharon, who are great colleagues, who are also blind, you know, can staff a lot of those questions in real time and, and, and get if it's related to one of our sites, we can help provide information. Cool. So let's transition to uh, Vision Aware. Katie, and, and um, I know that's your baby, so tell us about it. Sure. So I um, came on to APH um, at the end of October, and um, my role there is to help support the digital content on the visionaware.org website. And again, that it's been around for um, over 10 years, and so there's a wealth of content and information on that site, and we're actually working to update some of that because um, in the world in which we live, I was looking at an article the other day about braille displays and it was, you know, a couple of years old and I thought, wow, we need to rewrite this whole article because things have changed in about two years. So, you know, technology is always changing and, and we need to be keeping up with that as well. So um, we are constantly looking at, at our digital content and um, really you know, trying to keep that as up to date as possible. Um, but on Vision Aware, um, we have some really good resources. We have um, we have some blogs. So we have blogs that are written by um, our our volunteer peer advisors, who are just an amazing group of people who have again worked with us for the past um, ten plus years and really help bring much of our content to the blogs and to the website. And we we could not do this without their um, contributions and support. And so they. They are, you know, are everything from professional writers to um, certified um, assistive technology instructors to uh, vision rehabilitation therapists and and much more. So they really bring a wealth of of expertise to us and, um, you know, put out some great content. So we have blogs on the site. We have um, we have a, a getting started guide for people new to vision loss, which talks about you know, how to, how to adjust, how to cope, um, some techniques for dealing with vision loss um, that, that's up on the website in an accessible PDF as well as in Spanish. Um, and we can also mail that guide out um, in the mail if people want a, a print copy of it as well. Um, and it's also available as an audio recording on our um, information referral line telephone number. So we'll make sure to, to give that out. I think I put it in my email to you, Anthony, but if not, we'll make sure you get it for the show notes. Um, But we have the blogs, we have um, webinars, we have, we've done a series of webinars on managing diabetes with little or no vision. And so um, we just conducted one this week on managing medication. And that was um, well attended, very, very popular. You know, it's a very important topic that um, many of us can relate to as, as we, you know, deal with, blindness and, and low vision, regardless of age, whether you're 
55 or 45 or 25. So it's you know certainly a topic that's very relevant to our community. Um, we have we've had some um, during the holidays. We had a a um, gift giving webinar where we talked about um, popular gift ideas for people of all ages who are blind or low vision, and um, that's another popular event that we host each year. And um, we've had some webinars that discuss things like like um, fall prevention, which is you know of course another very important topic as um, people get older. Sometimes that's an issue that impacts people. So you know really vision aware. Um, we try to cover all kind of all of the adult um, phases. We try to support, you know, adults who are blind or low vision, as well as provide information for friends or family or caregivers for those who might be um, caring for someone who is blind or who's their, losing their vision. So um, I know I covered a lot, but that's, um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot there. So, you know, there just, really is, you know, yes. I, I have to say, I've never been shy about my, my first couple of years of blindness. Um, I, I was a, a, you know, a guppy in an ocean um, mm -hmm. and it was, it was very scattered how I, I initially started to get information. I wish somebody had directed me towards APH. I wish somebody had directed me towards ACP as well mm -hmm. um, earlier in my journey. Um, so, you know, I, I will be always passing this information along to folks. Uh, I want to go back to the blogs for a second because, you know, sure. I did, I was looking at, looking at it from a research standpoint, you know, thinking in my head, you know, what kind of questions I might need to ask tonight, today. Um, but there's so much there. I, I would imagine, <laughs> you know, when I have a targeted question, this is, it's now going to become one of the first places that I go to because there, there's just Yay. so much. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, do you take outside um, submissions? If somebody, you know, has something that they can offer as a, as a piece of information or an experience that they've had that, that sharing with others will raise awareness or, or just do you take outside submissions? Um, sure, I think we can. Um, I, you know, most, most of our work is done by our peers, but again, we are always looking for content, um, new voices. So, um, you know, if you... If you have something in mind or um, if someone out there listening has something in mind they'd like to contribute, um, you know, we can we can get in touch and, you know, discuss it um, and see, you know, see what we see if we think it would be a good fit for the blog. Chances are it, it is if it if it deals with, um, you know, blindness or vision loss. So it's it is pretty wide open. We we do have a lot of um, different, you know, topics on the blog of, you know, some people have shared some of their job experiences. Um, we have, we have some book reviews up there, which are kind of personally my, some of my favorite pieces to edit, because again, as Richard said, I do love books. And so I, I always enjoy reading about um, reading some of our book reviews, but we, we do have a lot of content up there. And, um, you know, again, we're always looking for ways to help you know, spread the word, share awareness, um, because that's, you know, we, we do want to be that one-stop resource for people. And, you know, especially like you said, Anthony, for those who lose their vision later in life, um, you know, we have a, a section on the website called, you know, after the diagnosis and it deals with some yep. adjustment and coping and things like that. And, and, um, you know, we, we want to be there for people. So, you know, when you, when you are having issues, you know, we want you to think of, of the APH Connect Center. And um, if, it, you know, if, if you're an adult, maybe, maybe the vision aware focus is a bit more appropriate, but all of our sites have really good information for people. Anthony, so. this is Richard. I just want to interject that um, 
I know Katie, I have it on good word, is doing some, we're doing something on, on the uh, COVID situation too, right, Katie? We are, <laughs> yes, we're working, um, we are working on, you know, from the last hour, uh, we're working on a, on a multimedia post about um, in-home COVID testing, and um, I'm getting started putting that, the writing piece together, and we're working on the video piece, so that will be hopefully coming out soon, but um, again, that's something that, you know, we know is is critical and impacts the whole community, including, you know, me, as I said, I'm blind as well. And, uh, you know, Richard is uh, low vision. So, you know, it impacts all of us, right? So um, we're going to be putting that post out. I'm not going to say when, because um, there are a lot of hands that make great work. So, um, but we do hope to get that out soon and we will um, be sure to let people know when that's up and up and live. So we're going to be sharing contact information later on, but I definitely want to say without a doubt that both of these folks are very, very um, welcoming to outside questions, to, to inform, you know, requests for information or uh, anything. They're very, very approachable. So um, I think whatever questions we don't answer today, um, they would be more than happy to receive an email, et cetera, et cetera. And like I said, we will get to the contact in a little while. The reason I say that is because I think you both are probably going to be flooded with some questions over the next week or so. Um, maybe most specifically you, Richard, because we're going to transition to, I think, the, the piece that most of our community is probably highly, highly interested in. There's always that horrific number 70 that we throw around to yes. talk about. So Richard, tell us about your piece of the pie. All right. And thank you again, Anthony. Uh, Career Connect is, is one of those resources that I think has been out, well, I know has been out longer than Vision Aware. We've been around since the early 90s, and we started out as a, as a mentor database to connect blind job seekers with people who were blind, who were professionally employed and doing cool things. And I had it on good word that we started out uh, kind of like a switchboard. I think of the old switchboard operators and people were calling and then we were saving all of all of these contacts on these big, huge floppy disks uh, circa 1992. Uh, so Career Connect has a has quite an evolution. And through the years, we've we've evolved into so many things. But the, the present day current uh, Career Connect is is the website. It is up at APHConnectCenter.org and, and or APHCareerConnect.org. But it's it's it is multifaceted. We have a, a lot of tools, a lot of blogs. Uh, I'll, I'll address what Katie uh, was addressing earlier. Uh, we do uh, Career Connect will happily take outside contributions um, that are job related, whether you're doing job search or you've had a good experience or not, and we'll we'll vet that and we'll edit that and we'll put it up as a blog. Uh, if it's especially if it's peer voices, because I do want to really get more peer voices up on the Career Connect. Um, and I'll get back to that in a minute. And we have our Job Seekers Toolkit. Uh, that's been around for quite a while, a little over a year and a half ago. Uh, we did modify and edit that and modernize that. And currently that sits up there as a PDF. It's very accessible. You can download that. And that's modules. Uh, it's really good for the job seeker, for maybe the first time job seeker, or someone who's just transitioned and lost their vision and is wanting to learn how to prepare for a job with vision loss, how to interview for a job with a vision loss. Mm -hmm. Uh, We discussed the pros and cons of disclosure and how to interview, how to uh, get to the interview if you're not interviewing on Zoom. Uh, And so we we address all those things in the Job Seekers Toolkit. It's very, very comprehensive and and we really sell it. 
it not like it's a free tool, but we really push it onto the rehabilitation counselors out there who are working with their consumers and, and job coaches as well, as well as to you, the individual job seeker uh, who can take it amongst themselves. So that's that's one of our more popular things up there. Um, within our blogs and articles, we have success interviews, success stories, because we do want the visitor, the job seeker coming to the site who is curious to learn about others who are doing the jobs that you and I aspire to be, you know, whether it's a scientist, a doctor, a musician, uh, a teacher, a lawyer, a homemaker. Uh, we, we have interviews uh, both in written format and uh, it, it interviews, actual uh, interviews that are done on video up there. So you, you can, we have a library of a lot of those things. Um, the last thing I'll say about Career Connect is uh, something I'm doing uh, and Katie's going to be helping me out in the next week while I go get a guide dog in New Jersey is, is some, a monthly series we call Career Conversations. So above and beyond the interviews that you have up on Career Connect that are archived, we're going to do a monthly series where uh, it'll be on Zoom like where we're at right now. And we'll interview a professional blind person for about 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, we had Lucy Greco, who's an um, accessibility evangelist at UC Berkeley. Uh, next month, it's Gina Harper. She's vice president over at Morgan Stanley, you know, managing millions of dollars as a financial consultant, financial advisor. So we want to get these blind people in front of you, uh, the audience, and, and to allow you to ask questions. So the 15-minute interview will happen, but then we really want the job seeker to network, to do that, what we call in the field, informational interviewing to really engage firsthand. And then those interviews will be archived. So after a year, we'll have over a dozen people we've interviewed and that'll be our, our kind of our ongoing way to address uh, just influencing and empowering people to get connected. Um, and there's so much more I can say about Career Connect, Anthony, but th those are the highlights. Those are the things I'm most proud about. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it there. You know, the one thing that I have softly advocated for um, being, you know, still in the job seeking mode myself, um, you know, freelance is great when when it's rocking and rolling, but it can really be stressful when it's not so much. Um, but one of the things I've, I've advocated for is that there should be a site where we can direct employers that we're interviewing with to look at all of the benefits of, of hiring someone who is visually impaired and, Correct. you know, a, a tool that lists, you know, some of the tax credits and things like that. Um, Career Connect isn't exactly what I envision in my mind for that space, but I realized, you know, when I was when I was going through, I realized that this is a great tool when you're getting, you know, those questions and when you know that the interview is kind of not going everywhere that you want it to go because they have whatever. Um, I, you know what? I'm just going to ride the elephant and say it. In, they have an internal bias. Uh, sitting there with a visually impaired or blind person knowing, you know, you can, you get that gut feeling. This interview is not going well. They're not asking the questions that are going, that really demonstrate my skill level, skill set, et cetera. Um, I think that Career Connect is a great, you know, you pull up, I've heard people say, oh, pull up Ira and show them that if there's a task, um, you know, that they think you wouldn't be able to accomplish, show them how you use Ira. And I think that's a great tool. Absolutely. But I, I, um, something like this with, with success stories and things might also be, um, you know, another tool in our box when we are feeling that those interviews aren't giving us what, you know, what we really needed from uh, anything you want to, uh, anything you could add to that, Richard? No, I think you hit on, you hit it right on, Anthony. I mean, we really, 
Career Connect does want to evolve to address so many of those outstanding issues out there for employers and for job seekers. And so we we have an advisory committee that we put together, and these folks are people who are rehabilitation counselors, employers, job uh, job seekers, college professors. And I told them, hey, I'm putting you guys to work. And in the year and a half we've been around, they've, they've done so much. And that's one of the things we really do want to address, how to really empower, engage, and, and influence employers to really think about here are, here are the tools, here are the ways you can engage with a blind person and not feel, have that fear, not have that anxiety or the unknown. And, and we'll be at a lot of conferences this year, uh, hopefully meeting employers, uh, whether it's Disability Inn or the AHEAD Conference or both obviously ACB and NFB. But we really do want to get out there and be a tangible, very tangible, very valuable uh, modern resource for the job seeker and for employers. This current administration, you know, made a lot of promises to the um, disability community at large. Um, have you seen anything directly from some of the promises that were made um, coming to fruition yet? I can't say I have. Um, Katie, have you? I, I don't want to say like I'm, I'm ignorant to him, but I haven't seen anything in that in that realm uh, yet. But I know that there, you know, there are promising opportunities in year one. And hopefully, within the next three years, we'll see more. Uh, of those opportunities come come to light. The one I thing agree. I did see was a registration, um, a government of federal jobs um, re- resume slash um, you know career building resource. Mm-hmm. I, I it it was very clunky and and um, it wasn't um, what I was hoping for, but it's out there and and it is definitely a tool. Katie, have you experienced anything else? Um, not personally, but, you know, I know that, um, things having worked for the federal government, I can tell you that, um, do not expect speedy things from the government at times. Um, they, you know, they work at their own special pace at times, but I think, you know, I think there is, you know, good work, good, um, work underway. And, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, all of us just need to continue to advocate and educate. And, you know, I think that's why it's, it really is so important to, you know, when, when ACB has the upcoming leadership conference, you know, it's, it's really our chance to, to let our voices be heard to our elected officials and, you know, um, really express to them um, the, the needs that we have as a community. So I encourage, you know, everyone to take that opportunity to, to let your voice be heard as well. So I want to let Byron know we're going to start taking some questions in a few minutes. And to everybody who's listening, if you're not on the Zoom with us and you have some questions for Katie and Richard, you can um, use that generic Sunday edition link anywhere you find it. Just click it on and you'll be with us in seconds. Um, tell us a little bit more uh, about the hotline and um, the phone line and the um, the number itself. And uh, tell us, you know, how we can reach you guys specifically if there are any questions from listeners that are not on the Zoom with us today. Yeah, our so our toll-free line is our INR line, and um, Ellen Laval and Sharon, uh, who are both visually impaired, answer that line, cover that line between uh, 8 a.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern. I will give out the number a couple of times. It's 1-800-232-5463. And you can also email them and it'll go to them at connect center, connect center, all one word at aph.org. 
And uh, that line is is uh, out there. It's been around for, for quite a while. That came over with AFB. And they're answering phone calls, returning voicemails on people who are learning to learn with, live with vision loss, people looking for resources for their mom and dad who can't drive anymore, resources for themselves, eye diseases, um, COVID tests, accessibility, you name it, they're addressing it. And often because they're, uh, and many, uh, many times they're the, uh, they re they're on the front line. So they're getting information before Katie and I, where we're putting up content, they're getting information from the public. And, and so they'll share those voicemails or emails with Katie and I, or our entire team. I mean, Katie and I are just mm -hmm. two of nine people uh, in the Connect Center. And I wish they were all here today because we're, we're quite a, a raucous team. <laughs> we work hard and we play hard, Anthony. Um, but <laughs> together, collectively, we, we find out the information that's needed for that, those persons calling or big span from, you know, kids losing their vision, uh, kid, infants, all adults, seniors, people learning how to get around because they can't drive anymore. And I think having Alan and Sharon there, Sharon, having been a retired psychologist, can really empathize and share with those people who are connecting with us, you know, hey, there is hope, don't give up. And, and, and it's very, very cool. It's a very cool resource. And we, we do also refer people to, to our partners. So we work with, you know, Hadley and um, we're beginning to partner with, you know, the Helen Keller um, National Center. So, you know, we, we again, we are we are a collaborative team at the Connect Center. We, you know, oftentimes if, if Ellen or Sharon have a question, they might reach out to us and say, hey, do you guys have any thoughts? You know, here's what we're thinking. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Or, you know, hey, this one stumped me. Do you, you know, do you have any guidance on this? So again, we, you know, while Richard and I primarily focus on maybe our specific sites, we do all work together and collaboratively. And that's, yes, that's one of the things that I personally love about this work is, you know, again, we're all in it to help each other. We're all in it to help the community. And we want to, you know, make sure that we can give people the information and support that they need. So well, the great thing about doing a weekly two-hour show is, you know, in a couple of months, we can get the whole team together and do an hour on the party side of what it's we like will. to be yeah. part of the page, <laughs> and an awesome. hour on, yeah. you know, really highlighting the rest of the team. We can we can put something together like that. Yeah. Um, Byron, let's uh, let's take a quick hand check and see uh, who might be waiting to talk to Richard and Katie. All right. There's a couple people waiting in the wings. Uh, looks like we have Margie. Margie, go ahead and ask your question. Am I audible? Yeah, you're a little quiet. I, I'm not hey, sure Margie. if your computer's to set me. to Come look at the wrong me. microwave. I'm going to reset something. Come back to me. All right. So we'll... Uh-oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> yep. Deanna, go ahead and uh, raise your hand and ask your question. Okay. Um, can you... Can I be heard? Yeah, I couldn't find the more button when I came in, but I had been on earlier today so maybe you just remembered me I'm not sure I'm a, a vision aware blogger and I have yes, been since is. it started and we do have materials for blind parents um, it's it's peer-to-peer -peer, which Katie emphasized so if you've got a question no matter how bizarre it is the hotline is the best source um, they know about what's on the website and where to mm -hmm. find it and um, if it's something that's really off the wall and they don't know, they really do consult the bloggers 
like we had one that we had a lot of fun with um, as a group effort in the blogging team when someone said, well, you know, my wife is visually impaired and she gets really upset when she needs to use the restroom because she doesn't, she, she goes in and she's completely disoriented. So we wrote a whole blog about public restrooms and different techniques for doing things in them. I have to go check that out. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, if it's, if, you know, it could be something as simple as, you know, I have to put my husband's toothpaste on his toothbrush because otherwise he gets it all over. Um, You know, we've got people that can break it down, do baby steps and say, these are some options. You can try this, you can try this, and you can try this other thing. Because no two blind people ever need to be exactly alike. They don't have to march in luck step. They've got to find where their comfort level is. And we have um, a vast variety of people, all ages, who are perfectly happy to um, give you some answers. So, um, and Deanna, this is Richard. You're no stranger to ACB. How long have you been a <laughs> blogger with uh, the Vision Aware? Um, since they first put up a blog, I was one wow. of the initial wow. ones that Pris Rogers mm-hmm. tapped because she had sent out a question generally about use of the the um, website when it belonged to AFB and said, um, have you found the website useful and why? And I wrote about, yes, um, I may be blind myself, but my mother <laughs> is going through macular degeneration. And mm-hmm. she was really stressed out. And she said, I know blind people can do anything. After all, I raised you, but <laughs> now it's me. Yeah. And she felt overwhelmed. So mm-hmm. I was looking for resources for seniors because I wasn't a senior yet. <laughs> now yes. I can answer some of those because I am a senior. But <laughs> so, yeah, well, I, I think it was like 11 that, that Pris first started talking to me about what they were planning mm-hmm. to do. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. one of the first ones because I love to write. And um, so. Yeah, I've written about all kinds of stuff on the blog. <laughs> and I just want to yes. say, you know, Chris Rogers is like the the mother of, you know, of if you don't know Chris Rogers, you got to look her up. She's just so knowledgeable. She's great to work with. Life. And yes. she's a wonderful human being as well. Yes, she is. <laughs> yes, I'm, we're all blessed that we get to work with her. Um, yeah. One of my dreams is to go stay in her bed and breakfast someday. We, we, so do we. We're talking about having a team retreat there. So maybe we'll yeah. have a peer retreat there, Diana. We'll see. Yeah. Tennessee, towards that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So well, thank you, Diana. Thank you again so for your Blind parents, yes, we do have some answers yes. for you. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Byron, to, who's to, up next? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, sorry. It's just to Diana's point. Um, our, all of our sites, um, you know, Vision Aware um, and, and all of, you know, we do have a search feature. So you can search for topics or for authors or, you know, anything on the site. So um, it, it is a, a comprehensive search. So feel free to use that on the, on the website as well. Absolutely. All right, Myron, who's up next? Awesome. So uh, let's try Margie again. Margie, are you there? Am I audible? Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay. Everybody get your note-taking devices ready every COVID test in a minute. So get your note-taking devices ready. Awesome. Um, Katie, 
I would love to work with you as a parent resource. I've done stuff with many other parents, um, as you're probably aware, even to the extent of helping a blind couple get their baby out of the hospital and not go into CPS hands. Um, I raised a son pretty much independently. I have two wonderful granddaughters that spend two and a half to three weeks out here, and we do all kinds of things. So I hope that I could be a resource. All right, you guys ready for that number? It is we sure are. I'm going to say 1-800-232-0233. I will repeat it. 1-800-232-0233. I used that line the other day. You have to press a couple prompts, and it was very quick and easy for those of us that don't type a lot or have issues with typing. Um, so now back to the topic. One more comment. I'm delighted. I want to say publicly, I am absolutely delighted that ACB and NFB are working together on this most important topic. This has been my fantasy since I came into ACB, that we can find some common grounds. We have out here in California with three guide dog bills, we work together. So that delights me. Now, um, Kenny, I think this is more oriented towards you. <clears throat> um, all these resources are wonderful. I gotta tell you, they're great. However, having worked with people who lost their sights as adults, Often what goes is their ability to use a computer if they were using one to begin with. And secondly, where the real impact needs to happen is with ophthalmologists. Do you guys have any plans to do anything with ophthalmologists, at least educate them about this website? Uh, they have huge conferences every year, and I'll shut up and hear your answer. Thank you, Margie, for all your comments and contributions. They're always appreciated. And yes, um, we have a couple things to address the issue that you raise about people not, you know, maybe not having access or, you know, again, if you've just lost your vision, the kind of the last thing you think you can do or want to do is go on a computer. So again, our, our INR line is available to help. Um, we are also um, working on, on some other projects um, coming up to help, help people get more access to our resources, but we, um, one thing that we are doing is we do have our getting started um, guide for people who have just lost their vision. And that is something that, yes, we do hope to get in the hands of more ophthalmologists. And um, in addition to um, sharing it's that in guide. It's all formats with, too. It's in the yes, know, digital. Yes, it is in physical. multiple formats. Um, and so in addition to that, we do um, hope um, to, you know, it's our, our plan to get to more of these conferences and really connect with with ophthalmologists and and again sharing the sharing the word spreading the word about our resources so yes thank you again as always for your your thoughtful contributions and great comments you know, i want to expand on that for just a second sure we've we've heard a lot on on this show from folks and it's not just ophthalmologists it's low vision specialists um you know just from a personal experience and, and i tell this often because it, it still boggles my mind i walked into um new york eye and ear of mount sinai um you know and most of of the information that i got didn't come from and and it boggles my mind 
Um, it didn't come from New York INE or it didn't come from, from my retina specialist. It didn't come from the low vision specialist. It didn't come from, from the caregiving team, which included a social worker and a specialist. You know, when you lose your, your sight suddenly, I wasn't even told that I was available for a couple of mental health visits so that I could figure things out. Um, and that's, you know, the hospital, the hospital says it right there on the building, New York INR. You're only coming here for one of two reasons. Um, so I think that we really do need as, as a community at large to hold the professionals responsible for, for being able to share this information with folks. Absolutely. Um, um, no, I, you know, I think, you know, I think that's part of our our goal this year and, and, you know, as I've come on board, you know, really trying to, to do more of that outreach. And, you know, again, if, if you are or know of people who are professionals who would like us to come and talk to your groups or something, please, you know, uh, not putting words in Richard's mouth necessarily, but we're always open to present. We're always, you know, we love sharing about what we do and the resources that we offer. So we've got a ton of them this week at two two tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) on Zoom. (laughs) <laughs> so please reach out. You know, we, we love to talk and share about what we do. And the more, you know, we know that there's more work to be done, even in this you know, day of, of, you know, computer access and things. We know that there are people that we're not reaching and we are, you know, we, we are working to um, increase our impact and our visibility in those areas. Any follow-up comments, Margie, before we go to another yeah, hand? Final comment. Sure. Is every one of us listening to this show today, I don't care how you're listening, we can be ambassadors with our ophthalmologists. I always told my vets to do this if they came from outside of the VA to my program. Go back and tell your ophthalmologists about these wonderful resources. I don't yes. care if you've been blind all your mm-hmm. life and you still see an ophthalmologist from time to time. Tell them about these resources and what has helped you. It starts with us, people. Thank you. It does. Thank you, Mark. It does. Yeah, And feel free to take the podcast link for Sunday edition today's show and some of our other really important shows, you know, and throw them together in an email. And when you're there, you know, forward it to the office manager or um, today's show notes include every link for APH that we talked about today. Uh, The phone number for COVID will be in there as well. Um, You know, so use the tools that we have to open up to using the tools that are out there that are not necessarily being used as much as they as they could and should be. Byron, do we have more hands? Yep, we have one more. Kenneth? Oh, this is Kenneth Simeon, and I'm so glad to be here with you all. Hey, Kenneth. Hey, I tuned in uh, via ACB Media initially, but uh, Anthony, great show once again. Uh, very informative, very thought-provoking, and uh, I thank you for all you do, Anthony. And thank then you. I want to congratulate Katie uh, for her new role at APH. And Katie and uh, Richard, I, I just believe that your heart is in your work and uh, all the resources that are currently available. What I like about uh, what you all do at APH Connect Center is really think forward. Uh, you're not just doing things today without having your mind and the thoughts in, in place to think about uh, how you can improve your work. Uh, Richard, you can tell by the way he speaks, he's just, his heart is in his work. Richard, I want to thanks, thank you again for uh, joining Sharon uh, and speaking to my chapter uh, this past year. And since then, I've been giving that uh, number out for the uh, INR uh, line, 1-800-232-5463, over and over yeah. to people that I get to communicate with. And so uh, I think you all have a mega center, a uh, mega resource center 
uh, going to your website, just you can just find so much there when people have questions. Uh, I, I like uh, one part about when you all spoke about families earlier, a lady from an organization contacted me not long ago. They were trying to put a newsletter together to find out what resources are available for children who are blind or visually impaired. And I was able to share ACB Families and Family Connect from APH. Uh, I love it. And I just Thanks. I want nice. you to be able to have have something, uh, some place to go. And uh, your your uh, resources are really have helped us to really keep people better informed. And I just thank you for for all you do. Uh, and you all have a great Sunday, okay? I have to say, Kenneth, thank you so much. And Anthony, every every caller we've had on this hour has some connection to the Connect Center because Deanna is a, a blogger. Kenneth, um, he was helping us do some stuff behind the scenes with mentoring. Uh, Margie reached out. Uh, I reached out to Margie last summer because it's us coming to ACB members like you all for stuff that we need help with. And Margie helped us find a blinded veteran who was employed and we have, you know, Richard's Archuleta's success story up there because of Margie's connection. So it's all about connections, uh, whether it's through ACB or elsewhere. And then, you know, we're proud to be here with you guys. And it's just, it's an awesome opportunity to make those connections. Really is. I know we talked about the collaboration on our team, but just really just the, you know, again, the community, like we are a community and you know, we may not always agree on everything, but we need, you know, we, we want to help each other out and be that support. So we just love the partnership and the collaboration that we have with, with everyone Absolutely. out there. You know, and while Kenneth is here, you know, obviously Kenneth um, takes care of the DCAM first timers and uh, the JP Morgan Chase, which I'm so still so honored to have been one last year. Um, we're putting together a Sunday edition. I believe it's February 13th for awards. So I'll be reaching out and you will probably hear Kenneth on that show as well. Um, and we need to get together uh, some of the previous um, uh, DCAM and JP and have another conversation soon. So stay tuned for that. Folks, I want to thank everybody who has been on Sunday edition today. Um, I will stick around for a few minutes after we go off air and see if there are any further questions. Uh, Again, you can find those, it's the generic Sunday edition Zoom link. And um, please tune into Pride Connection this week. It's a really incredibly um, important conversation that we had and um, I think, folks will walk away having learned a bit and had some we had some fun in the conversation so please check that out and um i will be back next sunday with another great show i know we'll have Lori and tori from new york talking about um their successes and a couple of other surprises so i will see you same time next sunday we'll brunch together have a fabulous week everybody you've been listening to sunday edition with anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday 